Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Welcome to the birthday edition of the Billboard Chart B podcast because we're taping this on Tuesday, October 2nd, which is my birthday. I was going to say happy birthday, but now that you just came out and said it first, so it's not quite as humble. Um, you know, I've given up humility for 27, Gary. Oh, I, oh wow. I just told myself, just hold on myself. Getting up there. I know. So welcome everybody to the Billboard Chart B podcast. My name is Trevor Anderson. I'm a chart manager here at Billboard. I'm joined by my esteemed veteran uh distinguished co-host gary trust billboard senior director of charts so october 2nd it's your birthday it's also uh sting's birthday and tiffany's birthday and gandhi's birthday too so there's a nice little you know i just knew sting and tiffany uh maybe does that say a lot about you gary you well, know, the, where you focus your energy in the no, world it, it's one of my favorite chart stats that uh, they were both born october 2nd and they both have top 10 hits called all this time so you just need a top 10 hit called all this time if you're going to be in the October 2nd. I, I guess it's the club. the club to be in, yeah. You and Gandhi. Yeah, yeah. You didn't realize you were sitting next to somebody who uh, shared shared the birthday, the wisdom, the, the astrological balance. At least one thing in common. All right. We're uh, continuing our ongoing uh, series of chats on the podcast this week with uh, country stars and label executives. Uh, had some really great names, all thanks to uh, Jim Asker, who's uh, set these up, our uh, Billboard uh, Nashville-based senior chart manager. We've had uh, Florida Georgia Line on before, Marin Morris, Luke Bryan, uh, Keith Urban. This week is a special guest, a superstar, a hit maker for about two decades now, along with also special guest Cindy Mabe, president of Universal Music Group Nashville. Jim's going to interview both of them. Same kind of thing we've been doing where we get into these chats about how an artist and a label work together. So great to interview an artist, but when you get the label executive as well, it just gives a whole different dynamic. So happy to have both Keith and Cindy on. Uh, lots of topics coming up. How does Keith know uh, when an album he's working on is finished? Uh, who picks singles from his albums? How does that process work? Uh, recently worked with Julia Michaels on his uh, country airplay chart top 10 coming home. They're going to talk about that. Uh, collaborating with other female artists, Carrie Underwood, uh, especially at a time when uh, country artists are pretty uh, few and uh, far between for female artists on country radio these days. So that's coming up. Uh, Keith uh, also gets into, uh, does he ever get any downtime? With his wife, who just happens to be Nicole Kidman. Who just happens to be. Uh, Jim Jim said, too, that uh, Keith is really one of the nicest people he's ever interviewed. And our intern, uh, Nicole, is from Nashville. Not Nicole Kidman. Nicole, what's your Keith Urban story? Um, this summer, my boyfriend was helping clean pools in Nashville, and he got to clean Keith Urban's house, and he's actually from New Zealand. So I was like, oh, my gosh, you guys have it in common. Like, be best friends, please. Like, But Keith's really nice. He's very friendly, and I go to Belmont, so he came last year and did a talk with Julia Michaels and shared about how they write music together, and he's just a really laid-back guy. He's good to see around town. He's good to see around town. I, You know, I actually saw Nicole and Keith in Nashville once about five years ago, um, we were going. We were Green Hills, the movie theater Green Hills, 
for the, the Nashvillians in the know. I think it was the third Batman film, and uh, we were there like over the summer, and they just happened to like just uh, just a Saturday night, just be at the movies. They were actually in the theater next to us, so missed out by that much. But um, at one point, you know, kind of like the pseudo stalkers we all were back in college, we like kind of hung around like by the lobby. And at one point, Nicole had to go to the bathroom, of course, I guess. And Nicole's like walking by, and you know, it's like you're trying to look at her, but like make it that like you're not looking at her. But she obviously at this point in her career would know that you are looking at her, even if you're not looking at her. So she kind of turned to me and she said hi. And then I was just like, ah, like an Oscar winner just told me hi. It was cool. Yeah. It's so, nice. so yeah, yeah. I co-signed the fact that, yeah, Keith and Nicole, a lot of people, yeah, they see him at church at Starbucks. Like just like with most Nashville celebrities, you know, there, it, there's a, kind of a different world versus New York where it feels like everybody's kind of hiding on purpose. I'm nowhere near as cool as you guys. Uh, this podcast is my Keith Urban story. It's as close we, as I'm getting. We know. Uh, Keith Urban, Cindy Mave, and Jim Asker coming up on the Billboard Chaffee Podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. There's a place that I know that they all know me. I've got to get back now that the ones who love me. Wrap myself around you, never let you go. There's nothing in the world that feels like the place that I know that they all know me. I've got to get back now that the ones who love me. Wrap myself around you, never let you go. There's nothing in the world that feels like coming Hey everybody, this is Jim Asker on the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. And my guest today, uh, Cindy May, president of Universal Music Group. Welcome, Cindy. Thanks, glad to be here. And Capitol Records recording artist, country music icon, Keith Urban. I'm so thankful <laughs> that you. both of you took the time to do this. Yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah. I interviewed you once before. It was on the phone and it was a long, long time ago when Indeed I was in radio. Was. So, you know, and I remember seeing you, if I could just connect the dots from where I started with my relationship with your music is a, a long time. So I saw the ranch at Westbury Music Fair. I'm oh, you're Island. the one. Uh, I'm looking for you everywhere. I always thought it was like a country version of a power trio, uh-huh. like um, Cream or, you right. know, um, one of those acts, but a great act. I didn't meet you that night, but I did meet you the weekend Capitol Records at a showcase when they signed you in New York. We, I was sitting right back at you during Phantom of the Opera. And I'm sure you don't remember, but uh. um, do you remember the showcase at all in New York City? Uh, I remember doing one upstairs somewhere, or at a, was it, we did. A, well, I feel like we did a couple there. There was one in a club. You where, did a couple because they used to they used to really do a lot of showcases for yes. radio back then. And there was I feel like it was a club that had like umpteen bands on, and we had this tiny little time frame to get up there, play, and get off because the next band was coming up and all of really? that. Really? Yeah, that's one of my recollections. Huh? That could have been a gig though. It's all a blur, Jim. Cindy, when did you start at UMG? 2007? 2007, So your relationship with Keith is a long time now. Yeah. 11 years. I I just want to give some fun chart facts uh, before we start, because that's my job. Mm -hmm. I'm the chart manager for country. (laughs) Um, So I know well because I see it all the time. Um, You know, starting in 2012, the Hot Country Songs chart became a hybrid, which mixes streaming airplay and sales uh keith has had 16 number ones 38 straight top tens in a row um 
which is unbelievable. 21 number ones on Billboard's country airplay chart, which ranks you sixth among all artists in the history of the chart. Um, and that's among all artists. And six number ones on top country albums. Two number ones on the Billboard 200. And um, Graffiti You was a number one. And I just want to congratulate you on that success from so long ago to now. It just seems to me like you're at the peak of your career. Well, hopefully not the peak. <laughs> but I love that I still uh, get to do what I love to do. And that I have, I mean, Capital and I have been together a long, long time. Um, I signed over there in 1997. So to still be there 21 years later is extraordinary. But it's testament to how supportive the label's been of me and my music and where I'm sort of interested in going with it. Is it still exciting um, for both of you, really, for, for when an album debuts at number one? Is it still does this, yeah. do, you, do, do the charts even matter <laughs> yeah. to you anymore, or do you still... They only matter if you're number one, otherwise they don't mean a thing, right? <laughs> exactly. No, it's an amazing feeling. Of, okay. Absolutely. It's like hearing I love you. So you don't you. get used to you it. You never get sick of it. It's beautiful. No. No, no, no. That, that's Incredible and, feeling. And that you do so well at radio, and you still have... Uh, you guys have managed a great relationship that you still have at radio. Um which I think is just so admirable that, you know, back when I was introduced to your music, you were you just seemed so accessible to programmers and the staff um, and that you embrace them. And, and that's not an easy thing. So, you know, it just comes from it just seems like you're really giving about everything. Well, I always think, first of all, we all love music. So first of all, we've got way more in common than anything else. We love music. We've got audiences. And we want to find ways to connect with our audience. So we got so much more in common. Can you tell me, um, for fans that are listening um, who don't know, what, what is the relationship between a star artist like Keith and with the record label, Cindy? What, what's a snapshot of that that you could explain for everybody? Well, I should start with there is no one else like Keith. So, I mean, it, every relationship is different, just like in life. Um, but for us, we have a really strong relationship. I feel like we're a team. And I feel like we go into strategy meetings together. What is the next five years? What are the next three months, for that matter? I mean... Do you go that far, five years? Uh, yeah. I think that we're looking down the road so that we stay very on top of... I mean, this business, this world is changing so quickly. How people consume, how do you how do you connect with other people? It's, it changes so rapidly. And uh, even the partners and players of how do you expose your music change that quickly, that we have to kind of stay in the trenches together. So for us, it's um, I think we have a really great relationship that we bounce ideas and thoughts. And, um, you know, I design all his album covers and packages as well. So. Wow. That's, I'm that's just kidding. Awesome. That is not true. So, but uh, we, we share a lot of, Cindy, of thoughts I am, and decisions. I am very gullible, so you can tell me. <laughs> you can tell me you played saxophone yeah. on the track. And I, oh, well, you, that's you would prefer that not to happen. So, when was the first time you heard Graffiti? You? Uh, he actually had me over to his studio house, and uh, he played me different parts of it. And then at one point, when he's when he was finished with the record, he he played it for me, and I was pretty blown away. And the new single's already in the top 40, by the way. It's Congratulations on it. It's a great single. Thank you. How do you know when an album like that, that album seems so complex to me. It's just like all these producers, all these writers, all these guest artists. How do you hand, how long did that take to make that record? On average, they take maybe about a year, I mm -hmm. think, of uh, writing and recording and trying different things, trying different collaborations. Not everything you hear. Well, there's a lot of things. Everything you don't hear was what didn't work. <laughs> well, you know, so How do you know um, when it's finished? Uh, that's, that's, that's a, uh, it's a great question. I think when, um, when I feel like it's saying, when it makes me feel a certain way, really, really from top to bottom, when it makes me feel a certain way. Because for me, it's very much like putting a set list together for a show. Um, I know how I want to begin. I know how I want to end. I know what I want to the journey I want everyone to go on with me, the things I want to say, the things I hope people feel, and the songs, and I need certain songs to be able to achieve that. So those are the ones that end up making the record. How many songs did you do for the record that... Um, Probably about 25 all up and whittled it down. Will those come out at some time? Maybe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Some songs, just they're just not right for that particular cluster. Again, like a set list, it's like the songs that get left out of the set list on Sunday night um, got left out because it was a Sunday night, but they're back in on Friday night because that's a different crowd. So mm. it's just finding the right songs for the, for the objective. Do you like your team to disagree with you? Like, Cindy, do you ever? I like them to be honest. Mm-hmm. So whatever, if they have an honest disagreement, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's crucial, actually. Sycophants is the death. That's just telling you, you know. It's the worst. Pe- I not, like people around me that just that. tell me how great I am all yeah, the time. Yeah, well, that's so. it. Not everybody can hear that. I mean, just to go back to, you know, for Keith to turn in a record, you pry it out of his hands. That's when it's done in a lot of ways. And I think that that is because great artists see it that way. That it, there's always something that can change. There's always something. What is the crowd? What is the, maybe the decision changes. I mean, we had an instance on the last record where he turned in the record and then turned in another song the next day that was supposed to be on the record. Like it's, <laughs> it, it is it's never over then. The beauty of that, because he's great. I mean, that's what great artists do. They push for maybe it's not ever completely done. Maybe it could have been better. Maybe And then so there there has to be that line of, oh, today we're prying it out of your hands. We're going today. And that is... And uh, you have a different set of ears than Keith has. The musician, absolutely. label person, yeah. a record person, a song person, right? Yeah. Somebody asked me once well, when I was a, a program, radio programmer, they said, are you a song guy or a record guy? I said, I think I'm a record I would tell you that I'm a song person, but it's because I'm not working frontline at uh, radio that I'm not. So I actually am a song person. I am looking for what's going to make a difference from a commercial statement, but I'm also looking for what just moves me. So whether or not that fits the format of does it belong on the radio or not is a different question for me. And I don't I don't hear music that way. You get depending on what your job function is, you absolutely hear it a different way. Who picks the singles, Keith? It's usually collective. It is? Yeah, pretty much across the board. We've, I've had songs that I thought would be right, and then I've, the team has sort of said collectively, well, we think maybe this one, and here's all the reasons why. And uh, whenever that's happened, I always take that into con- consideration. And that, but at some point, I have to just make a decision, yay or nay. And my team has always supported my final decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I trust them a lot. For the last piece that I wrote for Billboard, we did an average of the last three years, how long songs take to get to number one. And the average is 27 weeks. Mm. So that doesn't really, um, for artists like you, Keith and Carrie, they could go up and down the charts in 13 weeks, almost too fast. Yes. Um, Where other artists, newer artists, they can only get one, maybe two singles off a record, right? Correct. Um, It just seems like such a, you know, um, you're always changing things around and have to strategize. How do you know when I don't want to release any more singles off this record? I want to move on. I think when everybody starts to feel that... uh Maybe there's two parts to the answer, to answer that. On one hand, if, if if I've started writing new material and what we've got feels like it makes way more sense right now than the sixth single we're about to come with. I mean, at the end of the day, what I've found looking back at all my albums is... I'll, I'll give you an example. You look at my shirt. That mm-hmm. was going to be the fifth single off of Golden Road. Uh and we were about to come with that song. Everybody loved it. Everyone felt really good about it. I was already in the studio making the next album, which was called Be Here. And we'd written a song called Days Go By. And Great song. we'd recorded that. And when everybody heard it, they all listened to You Look at My Shirt and Days Go By. And I said, Well, these are both singles, but if we're ready to go with new music, maybe let's go with new music. So we went with the first single of the next album. Shirt just drifted away. Fast forward seven years. Mm. when I was in between albums and somebody said, you should re-record your look at my shirt. And we, we went and re-recorded it, released it, and went to number one. This is crazy. Amazing. Seven years later. Well, I think you should re-release Female at one point. <laughs> Thank you. I, I just, <laughs> Thank you. I have to say, I'm a fan. Thank I you, love Jim. that record. Thank you. And if I was a programmer, I would have played the hell out of it. Thank um, you. And, and I feel like it should have been a number one record. It got mixed up in a lot of politics, it seemed. It and, did, yeah. and I just love the, even taking out the words, I just love the way you phrase that record, the way you sing it. I um, love that song. It's just great. Thank you. Um, and I, I, I love Drop Top. 
So Thank you. Donna wow. Jean, one of your managers, <laughs> told me that, oh, millennials like that. So I'm glad that I still think like a <laughs> millennial. So so I, I would love for that to be a single. Uh, you know, the current single is great, but I don't know. You know, with so many great songs, I don't know how you pick them. And I want to ask about the collaborations because Cassie Ashton is on that song. She's tremendous. Mm, I'm a big Lindsay L fan. I have her on the record. Julia Michaels. Um, How do you guys decide on collaborations or is it all Keith, your taste? It's all Keith. To a large degree, except in the case of Drop Top, we'd written the song and needed uh, needed a girl for the chorus. And... We, I had a few people in mind, but I wanted a particular kind of, um, not just a particular voice, but a particular kind of girl who had a certain way of being that wasn't an act. She needed just swagger and attitude. Well, oh, she's got that. Huh? But, but it needs to be legit. And there's a lot of people that have it, but it's a bit of an act. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't live it. Right. And I, I said to Cindy, I said, do you have anybody in mind? She goes, I do. Absolutely. Hands down. Cassie Ashton. And I'd never heard of Cassie. And she's on one of the labels, Cindy, right? Yes. You guys signed her? Yeah. What, um, what imprint is she on? Is she on MCA? She's on MCA. Wow, great. Yeah. That's, I think that's so awesome that you embrace. I looked at the chart this morning. There's six women in the top 40. That includes collaborations um, like Mindy Smith and Miranda um, featured artists, six in the top 30, which is a shame. Mm. Um, and and I just think it's so kudos to you for, you know, helping these great, they're great artists. So they just yeah, need right. maybe a little hand or something. I don't, they don't need a hand, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, they need a platform is what platform, they need. Yeah. I mean, really there, there aren't females on the radio for whatever the reason is at the moment. And they're still making great music. They're still available out there. They need platforms. And this is where, I mean, again, I, just to brag on Keith, I, I do feel like he feels some, um, one, that they brought something to the table for him, but he's also always been one to share a spotlight, to give someone else a chance that, um, to expose their music in different ways. And you could see that with the Julia Michaels video that went, I mean, when we launched at, at Street Week when she wasn't with us, I mean, she was with us because we had videos that were built with us all this time. Carrie Underwood, you're, you're taking Cassie Ashton into venues that have never heard of Cassie Ashton, and you're breaking audiences. And, and to say that that is not a massive platform would be a complete understatement. So, Would you produce one of these artists? You seem to oh, be yeah. a wizard in the studio to me. I love being in the studio, and I, I would love to do some of that at some point. Yeah. Well, there you go, Cindy. I just helped you out. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cassie Ashton's first album produced by <laughs> Keith Urban, everyone. the show Bridgestone Arena I got to see that um, and I was just you know I was telling you guys when we were all on the phone talking about this I grew up a big Springsteen fan I've mm. seen him over a hundred times well over a hundred times and the pacing the energy of the show the community that you bring to the audience um, I could only compare it to that really if you compared it you don't want to compare but I, I was just amazed how you bring the big crowd like that into it uh, one almost mm. and how do you do it um caring and i think and also coming from uh playing the clubs where you know those 12 people were easy to make feel like Get one <laughs> no it's true it's, it's so true it's literally that it's coming from and, places and that caring are, as much if you're playing for 12 or if you're playing for twelve thousand or a hundred thousand i was right? playing twelve thousand when there was 12 in the room Mm-hmm. In my head, I was already playing to that many people. That's, that's where I was headed. I wanted to get to that place. But then when I got to that place, it, it happened so incrementally that I never changed the way I performed from being in the little clubs, um, except maybe bigger hand gestures. 
<laughs> you know, um, I, I must say that when, when an artist brings someone on stage, like you brought Nicole and Reese on stage, which mm. was awesome. And it was, it was specifically Nashville too. That show was specifically Nashville. Mm. And that's another thing that I always got from Bruce that each show is his own specific event. Mm-hmm. And and I bet you do that in every city. Then you gauge it for that where you're playing that it's for this particular market, uh, and that show is yeah. specifically Nashville, mm-hmm. um, and it was just great from wire to wire. And are you calling Audible? How does it? It's happening so fast. How do you keep? Like I'm going to do this now. Or I'm going to do that now. Yeah. I'm going to bring Carrie on now. Right. Um, is that all planned out ahead of time, or are you doing Audibles up there too? All the above. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all the above. There's, a, there's a lot of things spontaneous. Uh, Your band above. has to be on their toes, though. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we also, technology is, is such where even all the locked-in video and locked-in lighting cues are set up in such a way that I can extend certain parts of songs and it doesn't throw anything off. It's complicated, mm. but... Um, so each song takes on its own life that <clears throat> night. Yes, exactly. Correct. We can shorten it or lengthen it or scrap it or do whatever. And it, 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 everything will still work for us, even video, which is crazy. If I want to repeat choruses and so forth, and we've got some content behind us, it will. there's ways for us to copy-paste in real time and edit in real time. Wow. Which is insane. I mean, like you're... you're if when you're taking out a show like that to those massive audiences for every night to feel like I will never see that night again, they you really aren't because every one of those shows is so different. And and again, this is to me his magic above all else that he does. His performance of being so in the moment. I mean, I have had so many people come up to me and say, "Oh my God!" Like this is one that happened to a guy that was in this building. He's like. Keith just made my mom's life. He he brought his mom, who's not doing well. She's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and, and uh, on oxygen. So he had rolled her to the side. Well, as Keith is going through the stadium, he's, he's, or through the arena, he sees her, stops, completely stops what he's doing, goes back, retracts, goes over, talks to her, and then makes his way back to the stage. You can only do that if you are so present about everything that's happening around you and you're not going off script. And no one does that, Jim. I lose track no writing a paragraph. Totally. I mean, how do you no how do you that. do that? I mean, you see a sign and then you go back to it later, right? Yeah, just clocking everything. So you have that in your. Do you ever get off stage and say, "Oh, I forgot to do this or that"? Oh, sure, I mean, you do. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I also think that everything that happened was meant to happen, and everything mm-hmm. that didn't wasn't, and. You move on to the next show. I mean, it was perfect timing when you brought out a marching band at the end of that show. <laughs> it just shocked everyone, I think. And so great that you did that TSU marching band, correct? Yeah. See, um, that's a collaboration because Elizabeth, who's my, my manager, I, I said, we well, need a great marching band. And she said, well, TSU would be great. So she organized it, brought them, got them down to the venue. We rehearsed everything quickly that afternoon and wow, <clears throat> kind of choreographed it as fast as we could with the limited run-through time we had. Yeah, I must say, you know, I'm a fan, and um, I hate when shows just stop dead in the middle, and somebody turn it turns into a family slideshow all of a sudden. Like, oh my god, get on with it! And um, <laughs> but I'm a jaded radio guy, and your show, you're able to do all these things, these bits and pieces, and it never stops the flow. That urgency is like from wire to wire. Mm. And you, you must be constantly thinking about that. Like, okay, Nicole's been on stage long enough now, and I'm yeah. going to kick into my next song. Sure. Is it just timing in your head? Yeah. You're editing in your head. It's just trying to um, read, feel the room. Mm-hmm. Feel the room that it's time to move on. Or this is, this, is, this is interesting. There's something more in this. It's like, well, you do it with interviews. You're in the middle of an interview. You can tell there's a question that's got an answer. The answer is... How's done, this one going so done. far? Okay. So it's fantastic. <laughs> but you know, you do it. You, there's an answer that's interesting, and you let it go Right, further. I kind of throw my questions away once we start. And yeah, just kind of or, go from or you sort of move on to the next thing. So you're doing it in real time, too. I, I, it's just my different job. Do you tinker with your set list before you every go on stage? Night, oh, wow. Every afternoon. Every single afternoon. Yeah, you know, is it on a teleprompter or something? Like, are the guys in the band, can they see it? The there's set a list? set list on stage. One set list. Well, no, each guy's got a set list. Oh, in front okay. Of him. But it's written out in the afternoon at soundcheck. 
Okay. So then, sometimes tweaked right before we go on to. And you're tweaking your right on stage sometimes. Too. Sometimes, yeah, scrap that song, go to the next one. Cindy, how many shows did you see? It? Was this Nashville show one of the best shows you've seen? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, the, the energy from that, I think people are still talking about in this town. And this town, as you said, there's a lot of jaded in this town because everybody plays its town. Nashville gets every show that there is. So Aren't it's, some it's, artists like afraid to play Nashville or don't want to play Nashville? Well, I think that until you have a big enough audience, you don't play Nashville. I would say that was one of my rules. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's scary to play your own backyard where everybody's looking and everything. But people are still talking about that show that happened weeks ago because it was so much fun. And that is not generally true. <laughs> yeah, and what I love about fun, it is... Dude, so, it was like, you will never see that show again. And you, it, knew it, they, you knew it in the moment. It was Nashville, but it wasn't in the bubble Nashville. Totally, totally. Uh-huh. You know, I just want to compliment you on that. Thank you. <laughs> it, because I always call people on like, oh, get out of your bubble. You right. know? And that show was Nashville, but it was Nashville. It wasn't like... In, Inside industry, Nashville. No, while no. you still embrace that side of of your show, you know, you you featured artists and writers and all of that while still being accessible to the common person out there, you know, like me. Um, so, you know, I don't know how you do that, but you must be thinking about it all the time. I think I'm more common than anything else because I listen to music. Like I'm an uber fan of music. I go to concerts. I love going to concerts. I love being entertained. What was the last great concert you saw? Last great concert? Yeah, somebody completely off topic that you... Well, probably the Springsteen show up in New York. His, At the uh, Broadway his thing? show, yeah. Oh, thanks for taking me, by the way. <laughs> Tickets are like $750 or whatever. Um, I don't think I want to see that. Yeah, you do. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you do. Um... But for a whole different reason. So that reason. was a great show? It was a great show because it was a, it was a brand It wasn't new, self-absorbed. It was a whole new construct of connection and storytelling where, for me, the music actually took a back seat, which was, mm. it, it was, it was, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I, I, it was a new way of doing and being and connecting. and. Well, you kind of did that when I saw you at the Country Music Hall of Fame. You kind of deconstructed Blue Ain't Your Color and did, mm. um, was that during... Cindy, was that during Country Radio Seminar? When yeah, was that? Yeah, would have been during CRS. It felt like you you were in a living room and you were talking about how I... And that's why I picked up, like, this guy must be a total wizard in the studio. Um, because that was... It was like a living room thing. You're talking to us. It's mm. a small crowd. Mm. And it kind of... You know, I haven't seen the Bruce on Broadway thing, but it probably had that same kind of feel. Yeah, I, would I think. mean, a whole different... Would you ever go out and just do an acoustic <laughs> thing, just play, like, the Ryman-type theaters... I'm interested in finding a new way to uh, tell a, a new story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the tour now, you're on tour now. So I'm so mm. thankful that you came here today. So you're in, are you touring Canada right now? Is this yes, a Canadian we're leg? up in there. We're up in uh, Ottawa on Friday. How's Lund- Lindsay L doing? Saturday. She's doing great. She's your She's only opening act on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. Thank you for not having four opening acts. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) More time for us to play. I get tired. (laughs) Uh, No, but I think it's awesome that you had Kelsey on this leg, and Mm. then now you have Lindsay L. Mm. Um, She's a great guitarist, you think? Yeah. Yeah, she's really good. How come it's harder for a woman to make it as a guitarist, artist, songwriter than it is for a guy, you think? There haven't been a lot. That's part of it. And mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, it's still, it's a generational thing about breaking the mold of giving a girl a guitar instead of ballet slippers. You know, she's on guitar, the song Horses. Give her some drumsticks. Which is great. Mm. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, it's, it's just being exposed to those things and, and knowing that that's, that's absolutely a direction you can go in. Hmm. Cindy, have you been up to the Canadian shows yet? I have not, no. Oh, okay. So how long is that like going for Till uh, another week and a bit, we end up in Vancouver. We go to Winnipeg tomorrow, and then we're in Saskatoon and Edmonton, Saskatoon, Vancouver. Yeah, there's a Guess Who song about um, Lindsay was schooled by Randy Bachman, who was in the Guess Who. That's right. She told me Cummings, you know, American Woman, and all those songs. And I think those guys are all from. Maybe Randy Bachman will come out. Oh, there you go. Do you know him? I met him once in Winnipeg. He's like eighty now or something, I think. But Mm -hmm. those are great songs. Mm -hmm. Years ago, and I hear you might go to to the UK. Is that? 
Yeah. On the books or yes. you're just thinking about it at this point? No, Cindy? It's on the books. It's on the books. Yeah. Going. It's been a long time since you played there, right? Yeah, it has. And Germany and Ireland, Scotland, all through there. We haven't played there oh, in really? years and years. Wow, that that is really awesome. How do you decide where you're going to go and how long the tour is going to go? Or you just muddle that, keep talking about it? It's a little bit of where the record's connecting and where we feel... You know, we can go and tour. We haven't been in a long time. Those places are perfect for that. Do they all know the music as good as, like, um, as well you as... know. All right, check back with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I ran the London Marathon last year, so I have an in Did you really? There. And I ran the Berlin Marathon the year before that. How long is that? We can get talk about that if you want, huh? How long is that? 26.2 miles. Good Lord. Yeah. I just hit Donna Gina because I um, I raise I'm a cancer survivor, so I raise money for lymphoma research because I'm a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. Amazing. And we had one of your guitars signed uh, that you guys were so gracious to give me, and we got more than any other um, item I've ever. And I've been doing this for a long time now, raising mm. money. So we got five thousand for it at a little show on Broadway. Some fan in from somewhere. Um, it's the most I ever got for anything. Good for you, Jim. Yeah, so I'm doing Boston in April. Wow. If you want to go out to the Good Cup and play a few songs for me. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about doing that I mean, now? This is so inside now. Like, no, this is uh, The Good Cup is a coffee shop where Keith used to go to that I always write there. I always write. And they always say, Keith and Nicole used to come in here all yeah, the time yeah, yeah. Um, years ago. Yeah, well, we used to live a couple of miles from there. So right. we'd go there in the morning. So, so sorry to get so inside like that. <laughs> Maybe that... Maybe that's why I got f fired from radio. When I was in it's all making sense now. Radio. So you're asking how that feels to run a... You run a marathon every night on stage, it seems. Not quite that that long. I have a sticker on the back of my truck that says 0, 0.0, I don't run. You're that guy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, 26.2 miles. It's incredible. And, and I'm sure you could do it because it's, does it, Cindy, doesn't it seem like he's doing it? Absolutely. I could do it if I had a guitar and was singing and there was a crowd following me for the whole run of it. <laughs> Get out of here. You're in great shape. Do you ever take a time and just... Um, chill for a while with your family and take a long I, I was asking Donna Jean about that before do you t ever take a long break from everything just get off the grid I think we do a good job of sort of threading being off the grid with being on the grid all all throughout all of this you know days where we drop the kids at school and we have all day to just hang out at the house and go swimming and go see a movie and take naps and watch TV and whatever just do nothing. We've done that for the last two days. It must be nothing. so hard to get together. I mean, you, she's, Nicole is always doing something, right? And you're always, well, not always, always doing and we something. And so. we try and schedule it where, it, where, the, where it's in sync, where we can do nothing together. At home and just getting takeout or whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you still, you're able to fit that in. Oh yeah, it's life. <laughs> got it. You got to live. I've got to ask one question about your lovely wife, if you don't mind, is yeah. she doing? Is that happening? That Big Little Lies, um, the next series. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's oh, almost God, I wrapped. Love that show. Yeah. Phenomenal. Early next year it'll come out. Did you see it, Cindy? Mm -hmm. It's tremendous, right? It's great. Yeah. And that ending. I don't yeah. want to be yeah. a spoiler, but well, the ending was yeah. crazy. So, are you always thinking about what's next, and are you already thinking about like the next record? I'm always creating. I think that's what it is. I'm always creating and uh, always being inspired. I watched that great documentary on Ed Sheeran called Songwriter. And he said... Who, you, who you've written, right? Yeah, he, he said, songs, ugh, they just, they never give you any warning. Hmm. It's, it's a fantastic line. It's true. They just come out of nowhere. Are you always marking things? Like, yeah. I'm going to write about this or... Always singing into my phone. Charlie Puth does the same thing. He called his album Voice Notes because that's what he sings into on his phone is the Voice really? Notes app. Yeah, so I can relate to that. But for the grace of God, do I? I must have been born a lucky guy. Heaven only knows how I've been blessed with the gift of your For both of you, how has music changed from when you first started to now? Is it just as is country music just as good now as it was in two thousand? I don't feel like you have to say yes. <laughs> it's relative. It means relative to the elements that are infused into it, which in the end are no different 
then, you know, I always have this conversation about if you look at a timeline of country music from the late 50s, when it started to go more contrapolitan uh, mm-hmm. and it, you know, Chet Atkins, Owen Bradley, these are the guys that said, well, let's get rid of the, the fiddle and let's bring in a string section. Let's get rid of the pedal steel and let's bring in lush piano. Floyd, Floyd Kramer type stuff. Let's make it more contrapolitan, more pop, blatantly. Let's make it more right. pop. And so that started then. It's the same now as it ever was. You can just, instead of now, you're like, well, instead of the lush string section, it's a synthesizer. Instead of the tinkly piano, it's a drum machine. But we're still bringing elements in to our genre to keep it evolving, moving forward and staying relevant. Are you using all... It seems to me like your music embodies everything from Don Williams to Ed Sheeran and and that you have snippets of all of that in your sound. Well, songs. I mean, when you, when you, if you look at a song like um, Never Coming Down, for example, um, the way I look at Graffiti You is underneath the hood, it's not... It's, it's absolutely in, in this long line of albums I've done... It's Golden Road. It's Be Here. It's it's all those records because underneath it's songs that I love: melodies, universal themes, guitar riffs, catchy choruses, guitar solos. It, all the things I love are all on Graffiti You. It's mm. just got a it's just got a new coat of paint, different clothes, you know. But that's underneath, a great way to sum it up. But you know, because her, if you look at, so I grew up with someone like Don Williams that has that classic kind of. That's a classic Dominus feel. Coffee black, you know. Cigarette. Start this day like all the rest. So it's classic Dom Williams. It's all the stuff I grew up with. Strong beat, strong groove. You could say Waylon, same thing. Only daddy that'll walk the line. It's all, all Texas. So then you take a song like Never Coming Down. It's really that... Feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night owls as the world just fades away. Got a paycheck in my pocket, about to get it all gone. Light it up like a rocket. We're going on night long, everybody sing. Ooh, mm-hmm. I love it when Stars come out, except can you feel it when I take it by hand, dancing in my past it around, round, round. Yeah, we so high, we could paint the sky, tear the top right off the ceiling. And I swear we're never, ever coming down, mm, never coming down. Mm-mm, tell me now, can you feel it? <laughs> I mean, that is the, so great. The Thank bones you. of it is that, but if you. So for me, we could go in the studio and cut it like that. But then I'm more interested in the bass going. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night owls as the world just fades away. You got a paycheck in my pocket. You know, it's, it's same song, different coat of paint. <laughs> How old is that guitar, by the way? 1946. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. What's really cool about 1946 <laughs> Martins is that most, uh, lot, most every guitar has uh, a truss rod. It's a big piece of steel under the neck to keep it from bending. But because of the war in 44, 45, there's a seal shortage. So all these guitars had no steel in them. So the neck is really big and chunky because it had to be just a big, chunky, solid piece of wood with no steel the, in it. Is that one of your favorite guitars? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's your, the oldest guitar that you have? Do you Probably know? that one. Yeah, that one. That one is yeah. the oldest? Yeah. What make is it? Martin. Martin. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for bringing that. Oh, that yeah, is such bet. a treat. How about you, Cindy? I mean, you work with it all the time in signing new artists. Is music... Um, how has it changed from when you first started till today? I think there's some really interesting records being made right now. I think the way they're getting exposed is changed more than um, 
you know, it's not about good or bad. It's that to me, we're always better as a format when we're wide. Um, lots of diversity, lots of different things happening. So I still think those records are being made. They're not all being played on radio, but they are being made. So I, I think that there's great stuff coming out right now. Yeah, I agree. Is is great music timeless? Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, people... Do you think said, about that? Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but do you think about that? Like, will this song be relevant 25 years from now? Will still, people still be playing this song? I, I don't know. I don't know if, about... You don't think about that, really? I, I can't think about Just that. Just make a great song and it will, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel this. I believe this. This is authentic. Authentically who I am. Yes. Take a, take, take a photo of that, you know, and then um, keep creating. And it seems like... You know, you go back and you're talking about artists like Don Williams and then you're talking about artists like Ed Sheeran. You're able to keep that historical aspect while still, you know, not saying that the current artists are not up to par or whatever. They're just as good in their own way. Um, I think you're able to bridge that gap. And maybe that is why Graffiti U has so many sounds in it, because your, your music kind of embodies all that history. It does, and it's, you know, I grew up playing in cover bands. So, you know, I grew up playing a mix of touring around all the country music clubs in Australia with my parents. In Australia? Uh, competing at all these country music festivals, you know, <laughs> and um, playing country music. And my dad's record collection was all country music, so the house was predominantly that. But I had a two-year-old brother who loved ELO, Fleetwood Mac, Eagles, Supertramp, so I grew up with all of that. My mom loved Neil Diamond, Everly Brothers, so I had all of that. So, wow. if you, so if you throw all that together and then put Top 40 Radio... It's quite a mashup. You know, then, then the, the common denominator really in all of it is groove, rhythm, melody. Um, and because I mostly grew up with radio, then... I love radio songs. I love radio songs. And That's what top I forty with. radio back then would be from everything. Motown to the Raspberries, Just everything you know, yeah. and everything in, and the Electric Light Orchestra, and yeah. Marvin Gaye, and yeah. all these different sounds. Well, uh, we were listening to ELO the other day, Electric Electric Light Orchestra, and you know, obviously they're very Beatles influence. But the difference is, Jeff obviously Jeff, Jeff Lynn, Lynn obviously loves catchy songs. He loves radio. So really, ELO is just a radio version of the Beatles. They're the catchy commercial singles version of the Beatles. Because mm-hmm. all their songs, yeah, Jeff Wright, were a, incredibly catchy. He was a huge Beatles Great fan. melodies. Easy to sing along. Universal. So that, that was very influential for me. I love that you, you think that. When did, Cindy, when did you, what was the first record you bought? Um, Not to put you on the spot. Wow. Um Right, people used it to was, buy records. Yeah, Cindy. it was likely Charlie Daniels' band. Um, the Devil Went Down to Georgia. What, what area was that in? What area? You where'd you? Yeah, where'd you grow up? I grew up in North Carolina. Oh, and you're you're a citizen you're a citizen of North Carolina and the United States, correct? correct. I was going to ask. That is Keith, correct. You're Dual are you, citizenship. Do you have? I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, are you an Australian citizen still? American and Australian. Yeah, I, yeah. I heard you were New Zealand, Australian, and. A, American. Well, I mean, I was, my parents were from New Zealand. So I, when I was very young, I had a New Zealand passport. But uh, I now just have the two Australian just and two. American. I know we're running out of time here. Um, but I want to end with just thanking you so much. I know you, that you are up for three country music awards this time. Do you, I asked about records going to number one still meaning a lot. What about awards? Does it still. What what is the sense of a, a, some, an icon like you? How do you put awards into perspective, and how do you think about them? If I can ask, it's an incredible feeling. I mean, when I was about twelve, I competed in this BMX race, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'd, ever since I was seven, I'd been competing in Talent Quest and music, different things, and I'd gotten little trophies and different little pennants and you know little little sashes and stuff that give you if you want something you know trinkets yeah, trinkets and whatnot um but i went in this bmx competition one time and i came third and i got my little third place trophy uh. and it's it's it just that feeling that has never left me of the feeling of getting a trophy for for anything it's an incredible feeling anybody that's won a trophy for sport or any anything they've ever done it's an incredible feeling and for me with music 
I'm just trying to make a connection, trying to make Mm -hmm. a connection. And to a large degree, I think those awards uh, represent the sort of extreme level of that connection. Hmm. Cindy, what's your take on from a record label perspective? I think think that everybody wants to be rewarded by their peers, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that... um, Ultimately, we're not all in it for the awards. I mean, people go to work every day and they don't get an award for doing something. It is really about the payoff of how you get to connect with other human beings. And I think that's what the the awards represent. Whether it's the performance on the stage or whether it's, you know, the award that you're given that night, that's what it's about. And I feel like that's how we see it. Mm. You're up for Entertainer of the Year. Mm. And, you know, seeing that show at the arena, I just think... This is just tremendous, and, you know, it would be great if you brought that home, the trophy home this year. You know, I just watched um, Jim and Andy, which is a great documentary if you haven't seen that. Jim about and Jim Carrey and oh, the making okay. of uh, Man on the Moon. That documentary is fascinating, and there's a great moment where he's being interviewed, and early on he was playing all these comedy clubs, and he said he would go home every night just going, what do they want? What do they want? He said, I'd sit in my little apartment and he goes, I know what I want, but what do they want? (laughs) And as an entertainer, I'm sitting here going, yeah, me too, me too, me too. That is the number one question, the number one question. Every night on this tour, I go off the stage and I go, what do they want? What worked? What didn't work? What do they want? And then he said, and I realized one night what they want, they want to be free of concern. Uh He said, that's what they want. He said, so I knew right then and there that was my path in life. I was going to be the guy who gave them the ability to be free of concern and that's really what I try and do every night when I get on stage. The for world is hours. crazy, so totally. to provide that escape. Totally. And you can't be free of concern. You've got too much responsibility, but somebody can do it for you. And you can, you can live through them for those two hours. I think that is so great. Well, I want to commend you for all the success you've had. And um, the album is tremendous. Thank and you. Um, just good luck down the road. Thank you. Good luck at the CMA Awards. Be safe out there. Yes, thank you. I know you you're too. going around the world. Yeah. Um, Cindy, all the best to you, and thank you for Thanks, taking Jim. time today. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you for your time, Jim. All right. Well, this is Jim Asker with Keith Urban and Cindy Mabe on the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic Podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.